then we move into an astral chakra, the ninth chakra, where goddess Siddhivatri resides. And Siddhivatri is the grantor of Siddhis, which are supernatural healing powers or talents or gifts. And the idea is to connect with the power of intention, to offer our gifts and talents, whatever we have received in service of as many living beings as possible, not to achieve any kind of impact or outcome or, you know, measurable thing, but to actually be one with nature, to simply do what it is we ought to do, like a river flows because that's its nature, like a rose gives its fragrance because that's its dharma, that's its essential nature or function. Hello, hello there, Brain Table fam. I am so, so excited for you to dive into today's episode. And I'm your host, Dr. Nita, and welcome to your oasis, your destination for all things just being a little bit more brave in your life, in your actions, and in your relationships. And today, I have a very, very special guest. Now, if you are new to spirituality, if you are desiring more of that spiritual connection in your life in perhaps maybe wanting to lean into more of that ancient wisdom and how sometimes ancient wisdom can really be fuel and even medicine for the traumas that we experience in our life. This is that episode for you. I have one of the foremost leaders on this topic, and she's currently written a book about the way of the goddess. And we're talking about Hindu mythology, but the way of the goddess, daily rituals to awaken your inner warrior and discover your true self. It is none other than the author, Anantha Ripa Ajmera, and she is an award-winning author, spiritual teacher, co-founder, and CEO of The Ancient Way, which is an organization that helps you embody ancient wisdom in a way that unfolds your true self. The Ancient Way offers a spiritual warrior certification program, Ayurveda wellness ambassador program, and spiritual wellness retreats. She is also an advisor of Ayurveda at The Well, which is a modern wellness club where she writes articles, offers workshops, and works with a team of integrative medical practitioners. Her work has been featured in Newsweek, Forbes, Vogue, Yoga Journal, Spirituality and Health, Harper's Bazaar, Well and Good, Mind Body Green, and on ABC News and Fox News. Now, I am so, so excited and geeked out by bringing her on today's show because when I was growing up, I grew up in cultures where my dad was Hindu and Sikh. We grew up going to Gurdwara. We grew up going to Hindu temples and my mom was Catholic. And so we had a lot of the differences in faith, but what really was interesting and what really drew me back into the goddess Shakti and Lakshmi and some of the other goddesses that are really prominent in Hindu culture. And I'm so glad that Ananta has written this book that breaks it all down. And Saraswati, these are really one of the pioneers in living the goddess way, but I'm also so glad that we have someone that is actually devoting her life to making some of these ancient topics a little bit more palatable for the way that we live life and the way that sometimes our obstacles can really be a guide for how 
the way that the goddess lived and how we can impart some of this ancient wisdom into our lives. So in this episode today, we get into the goddesses that many times you may have heard of and how certain practices and how we could actually invoke Ayurveda and even spiritual teachings in our life as a way of life. And if you were born and brought up in this traditional way, or maybe you're just on the spiritual path and you're just open and you want to learn more, you can see how some of the concepts that she's interwoven in this book gives us fuel for how we interrelate our mind-body connection in our real default worlds. And she has such a way to her, such a grace, and it's no wonder she has been featured everywhere. And this book is out now, so you can go ahead and grab it. But without further ado, let's listen to her story as she breaks down her brave journey right here on The Brave Table. Welcome, Ananta. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you. It's so nice to be here with you. I know. And I see the picture in your background. (laughs) I thought it was a very appropriate photo for the brave table because lions to me really represent bravery and courage. Uh, Yes, we could start there. I mean, is that how did you in the lion, is that like a, a spiritual metaphor for something? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I feel like it's the first animal that I really connected with at a really deep level growing up. And I always resonated a lot with the journey that Simba takes in The Lion King to reclaim who he is. And as I grew older and I got onto my spiritual path, I felt such a resonance with lions and what they represent in terms of sovereignty and being able to be fully independent as well as caring for the community and being a part of the community. But Mm. I've always just really resonated with them and they have been an important part of my journey. Wow. Okay. So it's kind of like they're your spirit animal. And I want to get into that in a second, because you've said a couple of things as we're going to be talking about bravery and your newest book. Yet, I think for our listeners, I kind of want to paint the picture of a younger version of yourself. And when did your spiritual journey begin? And what was kind of like that awakening for you? The awakening for me was actually going to India when I was in college. I was doing some research on girls' education organizations in India. And I remember going to the Gandhi Ashram at an orphanage school that they had over there and meeting a young girl named Lakshmi. And Mm -hmm. Lakshmi is, of course, the most widely worshipped Hindu goddess of wealth. We evoke Lakshmi during festivals like Diwali. And Mm -hmm. I saw her and she She had gone through a lot of abuse and was sent to the school to be able to have a better life. And I couldn't help but wonder and be struck actually like lightning by the fact that here she had gone through so much abuse as so many of us do. Mm -hmm. And yet she was named after the goddess who's so Mm -hmm. widely worshipped. And it provoked a question that why can we not find that goddess within ourselves, no matter what we've gone through on the outside. And I feel that that was really the spark of my own spiritual journey and my own process of also reconnecting back to my Indian roots and Mm. connecting with specifically the goddess tradition of India and discovering that it is actually a 
pathway that leads us step-by-step to the ultimate goal of spiritual liberation or moksha. So that was the catalyst really for me. It was both meeting the girl, contemplating on the goddess, and then asking the question. And I feel that questions can really lead us on a quest. And Mm. this surely did. And also it's amazing because the goddess Durga, who my book chronicles the journeys of, actually rides a lion as her vehicle. So there again, the lion showed up and, you know, had such a resonance. Oh, wow. Yeah, I remember some of these, you know, goddesses, Growing up and even, you know, last night when we were lighting all the Diaz, you know, the Diaz inside every room (laughs) and we had a friend over and she's just like, what's the story of Diwali again? And I was, you know, attempting me to share. And my husband's like, no, that's the wrong goddess that you're sharing. It's like, oh my gosh. (laughs) So to have it all broken down, like you've done in the book, I think for, you know, a lot of us who come from, you know, South Asian backgrounds, we think we know, but I think it's so amazing to have kind of a reference and a resource because then leading into our own spirituality, you said something a little bit about the goddess Lakshmi. And honestly, when my daughter was born a year and a half ago, my husband, Ajit, was like, she is the Lakshmi of our house because there were so many things that happened in the prosperity and abundance that happened shortly after when she was born. And that was the first female that was, you know, born on my husband's side in like three generations. Wow. So yeah, so like even more so the blessings of Lakshmi were everywhere. So can you just take us through perhaps some of the goddesses that you're teaching us about in your newest book, The Way of the Goddess? Yeah, sure. So my book actually takes you through nine different avatars of the warrior mother goddess Durga. And I have it here so I can share her photo with you. And so it's really her journey of nine nights that she battles with different kinds of demons and conquers the greatest demon on the 10th night of the journey. And it's a book that will introduce readers to probably new goddesses. These are not well-known avatars of goddess Durga. She actually has her well-known avatars of Kali, Lakshmi, and Saraswati. But when you go deeper into the tradition, these three goddesses have three more (laughs) incarnations each. See, that's what I mean. (laughs) Yeah. It's just not complicated. And I couldn't even write that part because that was itself just so confusing to my editor and agent and everyone that they're like, uh, let's just not mention that and have it be that this book can introduce people to new goddesses that are just not very well known in kind of the Western world or the non-Indian, non-Hindu kind of world. I think a lot of people do know Lakshmi and Saraswati and Kali because they are just more widely promoted. But we have actually these three other avatars for each of them. And they're all so amazing. So I'm seeing if I can try to show you the pictures as I talk. I just located the first one. Ah, 
Is that Lakshmi? She looks like Lakshmi, but she's actually Shailaputri. And okay. so she is the daughter of the king. And she is representing the power of stability in our first chakra. So this book and this journey takes you on a journey through the nine chakras of the spiritual tradition, the yoga tradition, Ayurveda, and spirituality. And it introduces you to a hidden superpower that dwells within you. So goddess Shaila Putri is basically an embodiment of Mother Earth. And she is representing the power of stability and the grounding that we need to have in order to even go on a spiritual journey. And in a way, that's the bravest step of all, I think, is to embark, right? To actually commit to doing this journey. Absolutely. And for you to even embark on the journey of like getting it tangible for all of us to say yes to even aligning it with our own chakras and seeing what's possible, especially when we're constantly in this go, go, go. And, you know, it's a great framework to think, okay, the goddesses with the sacred chakras, nine of them. But I want to kind of double click a little bit about how your own journey with spirituality has led you to, you know, being this pioneer of Ayurveda, connecting back to your roots and to kind of make it all in a way tangible for people to absorb and consume and make it part of their life and their journey. Honestly, it was just my own search to find my own peace. You know, I was living in New York City and living that kind of 24-7 lifestyle, which just go, 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 and not really thinking, not really reflecting, not really bothering to ask why. Why am I doing this? What is the purpose of this? And I feel that since I was even a young child, I always wanted to know who is it that I truly am and why am I here and how can I unlock real happiness that ultimately comes from within. And then as I went to New York and I was stressed out living in New York City after growing up in a relatively smaller town in the Midwest, I... Where did you grow up? In Ohio. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a big change to go from Toledo, Ohio to New York City and living alone as a college student. And just the amount of pressure and stress that one goes through there was so much that I was looking for some kind of relief. And I thought yoga would be a good thing to do. So I ended up going to the yoga studio around the corner from the business school where I was enrolled. And I was so fascinated to hear so many familiar Sanskrit mantras and chants that I grew up with to see pictures of gods and goddesses who I had seen growing up, but never understood. And they were translating it for people. They were helping people to actually understand what these all mean. And I really resonated with the first yoga class I went to because the teacher talked about how yoga is ultimately preparing us for a life of service. And I also always felt that I was supposed to live a life of service, although I didn't know what that meant. And when I was in college, shortly after starting yoga, I became a part of a social entrepreneurship scholarship program. Oh, no way. Yeah, they defined social entrepreneurship in their way, which was pattern-breaking, sustainable social change that can be scaled. And I 
internalized that and said, how do I create this kind of pattern breaking change in a sustainable way in my own life and then scale those changes into the work I feel called to do in the world? So again, it was a question Mm -hmm. that then led me to another question because I went to India and met the girl named after the goddess. And that was really it, you know, then it was like, there's no looking back. Ayurveda, yoga, first it was yoga. Yoga was giving Mm -hmm. a lot of relief. And then yoga led to a teacher training program in Kerala, South India, where I lived the Ayurveda lifestyle. I literally heard lions roaring across from the wherever we were, there was some body of water there and the lions were across the way and we would hear them early in the morning. And there was something so magical about waking up before the sun had even risen and living in alignment with those rhythms of nature that felt like finally coming home Mm -hmm. and coming to something that felt really real and true and liberating. And I knew from that, teacher training experience that I wanted to know how to continue to feel this way, how to continue to align with those deep rhythms and how to cook Ayurvedic food. So once I experienced the magic of it, then I wanted to understand it. And then when I got to study it, I was fortunate to study in a lineage-based tradition with a teacher who comes from Ayodhya. Mm -hmm. And I got to really experience the integration of Ayurveda with yoga, with Vedanta spirituality, and the goddess tradition of Navratri, which I grew up with. And Navratri, we're always dancing and we're, you know, wearing beautiful clothes. And I associated it with pomegranate seeds and potatoes and puffed rice late at night after garba dancing. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that even that dance itself is so symbolic of the light or the lamp, the dia, which is representing our own true self and Mm -hmm. how we can actually give birth to that true self by embarking on this journey of spirituality. And the nine nights of Navratri are symbolic of the nine months of pregnancy, which are there before a biological birth takes place. And so- Oh my gosh, I didn't know that. Wait, wait, I'm going to stop you right there because you've shared so much in that. And for those listening who are like, what is Navratri? I don't even know what that is. And then sharing- the symbolism behind the nine nights of Navrati. Can you go into that just a little bit? Yeah, yeah, I know. It's it's so amazing and so fascinating. It's really symbolic of the spiritual journey a seeker embarks upon step-by-step to develop certain powers within the nine chakras. So the first night we're developing the power of stability with goddess Shailaputri. Then the second night or second day, is around developing the power of self-control or brahmacharya with goddess brahmacharini. And then we develop the power of transformation in the solar plexus with goddess Chandraganta, who's a very fiery goddess loaded with weapons. And then we move into the heart chakra where we're cultivating the power of love with the goddess Kushmanda, who is said to have laughed the universe into existence. Oh, wow. And then after she gives birth to the whole universe, then goddess Durga emerges as goddess Skandamatha in our throat chakra, where 
we are encountering her as the biological mother. So then she has her own child. And that is about freeing the power of expression and the power of our voice. And from there, when we have connected with speech as well as silence in the fifth chakra, we then go into cultivating the sixth chakra or the third eye chakra, which is about the power of intuition with Mm -hmm. goddess Katyayani, who is a very feminine goddess wearing pink, but also holding a sword and beginning the battle sequence to destroy the demons. And that sequence intensifies in step seven when goddess Durga emerges as goddess Kalaratri in the crown chakra. And there we're encountering the power of the truth, which, you know, initially is horrific to see at times, but truly does set us free. And that's where our enlightenment is really taking place. And we practice transcending the pairs of opposites. Mm. And once we have done that, then we actually move into what's known as the higher heart chakra, a little bit above the crown chakra, where the goddess Durga emerges as an eight-year-old child, as Mahagori, the shining one. Mm. And that is about the power of rejuvenation and the power of play and the power of joy and laughter and you know, a new kind of fun that's informed by transcendence and spirituality and all the Mm. hard work we did in the first seven steps to really have this new beginning that is made possible by knowledge. And from Mm -hmm. there, then we move into an astral chakra, the ninth chakra, where Mm -hmm. goddess Siddhivatri resides. And Siddhivatri is the grantor of Siddhis, which are supernatural healing powers or talents or gifts. And the idea is to connect with the power of intention, to offer our gifts and talents, whatever we have received in service of as many living beings as possible, not to achieve any kind of impact or outcome mm-hmm. or you know measurable thing, but to actually be one with nature, to mm-hmm. simply do what it is we ought to do, like a river flows because that's its nature, like a rose gives its fragrance because that's its dharma, that's its wow. essential nature or function. Yeah. And I feel like we've just gotten a masterclass on the nine goddesses. Amazing. And I'm guessing, because I'm only imagining the, you know, you have the beautiful illustration, which is absolutely gorgeous. And then on the other side of that, kind of going deeper into a little bit about the goddess and what that goddess represents. Yes. Yes. And then I have my own personal journey with it, as well as the mythological story of the goddess and then practices and step-by-step processes that anyone can try to be able to evoke these powers from within. Right. Well, and I think it's such a beautiful way that you've been able to lay out the book, taking some of these concepts that we know from, you know, if you grew up Hindu or grew up going to temple but now then taking it into modern day spirituality of, all right, how am I going to get closer to my truth? And that's really what I'm hearing out of all of this, because I've never heard it explained in the way where it's aligned with our yoga chakras. And I think it's just so brilliant in the framework that you've kind of laid out for us. Now, what is your hope that readers would attain after going through your book? I feel that the intention of the book is really to 
support readers to be able to start to become the hero of your own spiritual journey. That is really what this journey has been about for me. And that's why I wrote about my own experiences in it of all kinds of, you know, challenges that I've gone through in life to be able to lead by example and show the reader step-by-step through the lived experiences that it is possible to do that. I see the lion pretty much roaring in in my (laughs) background. So, uh, and for those of you watching this on YouTube, now, what advice do you have for people to connect with their spirit animal? You know, animals obviously are such a huge representation for us in many ways, in many arenas, especially when we're going into life transitions. I feel like, you know, mine was a dolphin at times and a monkey, actually, at times of, you know, just hardship and adversity growing Mm -hmm. up of like always remembering to play and Mm -hmm. connection and intuition. And so what advice do you have for people to lean into that? I actually do give advice as a practice in chapter six, which is about cultivating the power of intuition. And it also goes into how to define and maintain healthy boundaries. I feel that's really, really important in the spiritual journey. It's kind of an underlying theme of the whole sort of process and journey. But I feel that you know, with the target audience of empaths, particularly in mind for this book and in my heart, rather when I was writing this book, it's a really important thing to be able to trust our own intuition, especially in the face of gaslighting and in the face of narcissism, which we're going to encounter at some point or another if we are true empaths on a spiritual journey, which I know many of us are. So one of those practices to really reclaim the power of your intuition in the face of scapegoating and gaslighting and narcissism is to actually tune in to your dreams to see Mm -hmm. if there's any kind of recurring themes in your dreams, any animals who are appearing in your dreams, and just in general to pay attention to your surroundings, pay attention to what animals are coming into your life and what you notice outside that maybe you never even noticed before. But just by having that intention or kind of turning on that awareness switch to be able to observe that, I feel whoever comes in the animal world is there with a message, is there with a guidance for us. And we can then unlock that. And I love Alison Charles's work in this. And I believe she's our common friend and Mm -hmm. she has done such magnificent work in her book, Animal Power, on understanding what the symbols mean, right? So like I moved now to a nature preserve and I'm constantly seeing all kinds of awesome animals who I never You are living at a nature preserve right now? Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, it's so magical. And there's just so many animals. I don't even see all of them, but they're here. Mm. And I love looking at her book to find out what do they mean. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I think now she's got a card deck out. But yes. To your point, though, about because what I'm kind of tuning into as you're sharing that is when the lion is very big in the background there. But I think that when you were kind of going through your own journey in Kerala, you started to hear a lot of their voices and to kind of bring that out in really 
grasping on to what that meaning is for you. For me, it was, you know, just having a dream of literally a monkey. And some of our dreams we don't really pay attention to. But if it's like that recurring dream or we're seeing monkeys out in the wild, because then I had this very big epiphany when I was in Bali and seeing monkeys everywhere because in some of the temples, they're just everywhere and they'll run up to you and run, you know, try to take your glasses from you and things like that. (laughs) It was very prevalent that that monkey medicine needed to come into my life and that I wasn't going to fear it. Because then again, another encounter with a monkey and her baby in Malaysia, you know, so I resonate with you and in the lion. For me, it was, you know, it was the monkey. So I feel like for those listeners listening, you know, paying attention and grabbing your book because it seems like there's such deep wisdom there. And I want to, you know, segue into how do you actually work with clients now? Because I love, you know, on your website, it's you be the spiritual hero of your journey. So can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah. Yeah. You know, just actually an understanding more about Vedic astrology. I learned that the way my planets are aligned is really ideal for working with groups and working with more than one person basically at a time. So now I basically just do that. I do group programs and we have a spiritual warrior certificate program that actually takes you through each of these nine steps and nine chakras, nine stories, nine powers of the goddess one by one slower so that you can read it. But then in the classroom, we actually take inventory of our powers of the goddess. And then we do some embodiment practices in one session to really feel what is it like to cultivate creativity, to cultivate transformation, love, intuition, etc. And we do it together. So it's fun. Even though it's on Zoom, it's still like a really enjoyable experience of bonding and connecting and experiencing the power, just like I experienced the power of Ayurveda by living it. And then there's always the third weekend off for deep reflection and really contemplating your own life's experiences to be able to digest those experiences and help them to inform how you would then work with people one-on-one or in groups. And then we come back for what is called medicinal storytelling circles, where people Mm. will share some kind of healing story that they've experienced. A lot of times we're sharing and broadcasting war stories, and Mm. it's a way to kind of release the stress, you know, and to bond with people. And it has some value. And there's some of that that goes into the healing story to know what the pain is. But then the idea with the inventory, with the stories, with the practices, with the teachings is that we can start to take some part of that that is standing out the most, that's resonating the most and start to convert that into our own story. So we actually tell a more empowered story about certain difficult experiences that we've had. And what we're focusing on is really seeing what is it we can learn from those experiences of life to evolve ourselves. And then when we share those stories out loud, it's like giving birth to 
a new story, which creates a new reality. And you hear other people's medicinal stories and how they're working with the teachings to really write and then live a new story for themselves. So that's really the essence of this program. And then we also have coming in 2023, a circle of life community program where are going to have guest speakers and embodiment tutorials to allow you to experiment with whatever movement modalities resonate the most with you, whatever healing modalities resonate with you. We're going to bring together healers and teachers of all different ancient modalities that are complementary to Ayurveda, yoga, and Vedanta together to really have like a healing collective where we can do power of practice circles and just talk about how do we practice this? How do we actually do this? How are you doing this? And we learn from that collective wisdom then together and we grow together, right? Because wellness is hard. It requires that hero spirit. It requires that warrior spirit. And I feel it also requires community. So that's also important. And my other animal is actually elephant. And the ah. elf is the community part, right? Mm. So they're like a really good with each other. (laughs) Yes. Oh, that is a great balance of each other. I I love how you've segmented your programs. And, you know, I think the the few things that really spoke to me, and I think for all the listeners is, you know, the storytelling piece. I think that so much wisdom comes from when we can transcend and transform a lot of our stories that we've had, perhaps maybe just a belief in our mind or stories that we've been through. Yeah. To then transform it into perhaps medicine for others or even in a collective container. So super excited that you have, you know, put that together and birthed that. So in my final segment, I wanted to ask, what does it mean to be brave at this stage? At this stage, being brave means being in my heart and being true to myself no matter what. And what practices are elevating you at this stage of life? The practices of discernment of Mm -hmm. what is true and what is transient, what is coming and going, as well as the practice of detachment and letting go Mm -hmm. are really, really always beneficial and even more beneficial than ever before at the current time. Oh yeah. Can only imagine with a book. (laughs) And one word that describes the season. Sovereignty. Amazing. Amazing. So where can we get the book? It is out now. Yes. Yes. So the book is The Way of the Goddess, Daily Rituals to Awaken Your Inner Warrior and Discover Your True Self. You can literally get it wherever books are sold. And you can also visit our organization website, The Ancient Way dot co not dot com slash way of the goddess and we have all kinds of retailer links listed over there amazing so the ancient way dot co yes amazing and we'll put that in the show notes definitely grab a copy of her book it is such a great resource for her. i mean honestly i feel like it's like the girlfriend's guide to goddesses that's what i want to like peg it as because it's definitely something that i know i totally wanted when i was growing up and even just in you know the sometimes the hard moments of transition and coming back home to yourself and i think you just illustrated that so beautifully And such an honor to have you on love. Good luck with all of the new things. And where can we connect with you on Instagram? 
Oh, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure to connect with you. And you can connect with me on Instagram at anantha.one. Perfect. All right, fam. Amazing. Anantha's voice is just so healing, I feel like. And she's just one of those people that you probably want to learn more and more and more from. Now, if you didn't already get the book, I definitely highly, highly recommend for you to go to Amazon right now or wherever you get your books and go ahead and add the weight of the goddess daily rituals to awaken your inner warrior and discover your true self into your cart and definitely get one for a friend, maybe get one for a family member. I actually got this exact copy for my aunt and she is loving the book. It's almost like we are reconnecting a connection for the two of us because it's so different where you know, I grew up in that sort of household where some of these goddesses were, you know, worshipped and we would go to temple and certain days of the month. And it's amazing how now, you know, in Ananta's book, she's taking the stories of ancient wisdom and really imparting it in a way where it's practical for us to use in daily lives. And I think it's just so fitting that I can now share this with my daughter in a way that, you know, doesn't really feel religious, but it's more of that spiritual connection. And also, you can check out her courses and all of her offerings at theancientway.co. And I love her branding, theancientway.co, because I think that many times it's so easy to forget, you know, where we have come from and, and to really have that connection back to ourselves in whatever way feels really good. And if you are looking for more episodes and you really enjoy this episode, go ahead and share it with a friend, a family member, a colleague, and maybe they just need it in their lives for whatever they are going through. And if you are looking for more transformational episodes, you can go ahead and listen to my co-founder and I, we dig in on episode 76, how to be multidimensional and going through life transitions with Sahar Rose. And it's also here all linked in the show notes. The second episode you can go ahead and check out is a solo cast, how to own your worth unapologetically and step into that next version of you. And finally, the episode with Allison Charles, Awakening Your Inner Wisdom as the Rock Star Shaman. And I don't know about you, but my latest book, That's Like Now What, has had global acclaim. It has won three awards and has gotten on all of the bestseller lists. And if you haven't already got your copy, what are you waiting for? Go ahead and grab it at That Sucked Now What. Um, share your journey with us. Don't forget to leave a review on iTunes. We are always looking for your reviews and how the Brave Table has shifted your life in whatever way. Go ahead and share that. And when you do, screenshot your review and send it to us at support at globalgrit.co and we will send you a free gift. Thank you so much for tuning in week by week. And don't forget to breathe a little more brave.